0: On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, the ramifications of Calgary's Olympic bid on a major piece of baseball real estate and Dogs Academy alumni Jordan Precision opens up about his release and the Red Sox World Series victory. Welcome to episode number four of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I didn't do a very good job of introducing myself the last time around. Joe McFarland here. Ian Wilson back in the basement for another edition. Hello, good sir.
1: woo Woo Happy to be back. Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad that you made the uh, (laughs)
0: trek all the way up to uh, the middle of nowhere or I don't know if there's a meridian or or something that you've crossed over.
1: Uh, I just look for the Yankee. Normally, I don't look for the Yankee and go towards it. But in this case, yeah, worked out
0: (laughs) So we've got a a jam-packed show for you on this episode, and it's all going to start with, weirdly, the Winter Olympics. I know that's going to sound weird, but here in Alberta, and in particular here in Calgary, it has been, needless to say, a topic of discussion for the last uh, number of weeks, I guess. And obviously with city council saying, or with the city saying, no, it did Beg an interesting question in regards to a very old, now decrepit, foothill stadium. And Ian Wilson, you did a fantastic job of stoking the fire on, this <laughs> one on social media.
1: Yeah, we had a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of social media discussion on it, uh, and um, yeah, I, 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 a little worried that we may have left the impression that. Uh, or maybe made the relationship between the Olympics and the fate of the stadium to direct a link, which, uh, you had some good discussion online about that as well. Um, but no, like the stadium itself, I think it was what, 2013 when city council said we will approve, um, giving it the wrecking ball and, and, uh, making way for other, uh, facilities. And, um, the discussion that you and I have had offline is that um, that's all well and good, but they can't even, they haven't even funded the wrecking ball portion of things. Mm -hmm. There's no clear, um, really no clear plan for that area. I mean, I know there's the field house, there's discussions of a small arena and things like that, but what the Olympic debate did was reinvigorate that discussion specific to that area and saying, okay, here's, we've got rendering, artist renderings of what's going there. Obviously Foothill Stadium is not a part of that. Here's what's going to be a part of that. And that's kind of what we were trying to highlight is that, okay, if you're voting la- yes to the Olympics, this is what's going to be where Foothills Stadium mm-hmm. was. It's not saying that the Olympics caused this horrible <laughs> demise <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of this uh, stadium that has not been used to the fullest for, for quite some time and is obviously in some need of love and repair and and whatnot, but it's also to shine a light on the the future of baseball in this city and what facilities do we have for baseball? What facilities do we have that can host high-end baseball? And do people care? I mean...
0: (laughs) And clearly they do, based off of some of the the response on social media. And one of the things that I found interesting, and just to give a little bit of a backstory for those who weren't able to follow along, back in 2012, 2013, City Council was given... Uh, a recommendation for what is to be a field house. Now, the big issue with that field house is it is unfunded at this particular juncture. It is the city's number one, most needed piece of infrastructure. Edmonton has three of them. For example, Calgary's still looking for their first, uh, the issue became kind of in the back burner, I guess, over the last few years with the contentious Calgary next project. And, With that project, the the Flames brought forward an idea of bringing in a field house with the replacement for McMahon Stadium and the Saddle Dome. The issue kind of came to a head and disappeared thanks to uh, the city and the Flames not getting along on that front. And I did ask around, and, and this has been a discussion that you and I have had for quite some time now, is... What is the future of baseball in Calgary as the example because and especially affiliated ball because it it, foothills in particular has started growing weeds in the in the stands and no one has stepped foot in the press box and who knows how long. And it's not a very well kept building at the end of the day. So the question became, well, what's actually going to happen to it? We all know it's going to meet a wrecking ball one day the olympics would have given us an actual firm date range i suppose more yeah. than anything else now it's kind of left in the ether again it is when the city gets some funding or when it gets its ducks in a row and it's good i'm there's a part of me that goes it's going to be a sad day when foothills does get blown up at the same time it's been about 10 years since it was useful And yeah, there are teams that still use it, but you know, it it was funny. I had a conversation with a couple of different people, and they said the problem with Foothills now is the groups that use it now never hit home runs in that field because you got 25 feet uh, outfield fences at 370 feet or 400 feet in dead center. And no one is hitting homers in there, especially if you're playing university ball.
1: Green monsters for everyone. You get a green monster. You get a green monster. Yeah, it's not, not really conducive to that level of ball. Mm-hmm. And and I think there is an argument or, or a discussion to be had that it's maybe too late and probably won't engage enough people about the historical significance the significance of that site. Mm -hmm. Uh, In Edmonton last year, we saw alarm bells raised about the site of Remax Field. And uh, there's a a long history there Mm -hmm. uh, when it was Tellus Field and um, uh, I'm forgetting the uh, legendary baseball name. John Ducey. John Ducey. Thank you. John Ducey Park. Uh, And so there's a little bit longer history at that site Mm -hmm. uh, that you can tie specifically to baseball but in calgary you know there's some sites downtown that are historically relevant when it comes to baseball uh for calgarians that site is relevant when the calgary expos were there the calgary cardinals uh some pioneer league teams and then of course the heyday the the pacific coast league calgary cannons and is that enough to Leave that that site standing and just be like, hey, you know what? Edgar Martinez played third base over here. Yeah. Brett Boone was. We're gonna was rename it her. to Edgar Martinez
0: <laughs> Field when he gets into the world, into the uh, Hall of Fame. Yeah, no,
1: probably not. Uh, yeah. Probably not for enough people. It makes me sad, yeah. but but I understand that. Like you, it's it's prime real estate. Mm-hmm. You want uh, a functional, uh, useful. A facility there, whatever is going to be there, and I think so. There's the historical aspect that, again, I think that's probably been decided. Yep. Um, then you there's the forward-looking aspect that is not just a baseball conversation, because uh, you see it with the Stampeders and the Canadian Football League and the infrastructure that they are working with there, and which is right next to, for those unfamiliar, right next to Foothills Stadium. Uh, is what are, what are where, when do we look at the future of, of sport in this city on, mm-hmm. a, on a major scale? We, even with the NHL, we've, we're still having an arena debate, or there somewhere there's an arena debate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not hearing about it, <laughs> yeah. but that conversation is still going on. We can't get our ducks in a row there, and we can't seem to plot out a future for uh, for the Stampeders. We can't seem to plot out a future. For baseball, which professional baseball, mm-hmm. which again may not be as important to some people, but at some point, do you want to maybe look at, hey, let's have independent baseball, mm-hmm. let's have, hey, let's have the Western Canadian Baseball <laughs> League of all <laughs> of all entities come and play here. Uh, where are they going to do that? How are they going to do that?
0: Or should they? Or should they? Right, like, and, and that becomes the the focal point for the question and and sort of the conversation that we get kind of led into, I think is did Calgary in particular miss an opportunity to go somewhere with baseball because they did have dogs at one point mm-hmm. and the dogs decided, let's move on down to Tokes get better, you know, whether it was for tax reasons, whether it was for, uh, for property assessments and that kind of thing. But they said, you know what, we're going to move out to Tokes and they got the great field down there. Is it, are you trying too hard to make a square f- peg fit into a round hole? And is baseball really that important in the city of Calgary's mind? When you think about what other communities in this province have been doing to upgrade their facilities and, and make sure that baseball is a prominent part of it, and I get it, Calgary is a different city than Medicine Hat, it is different than Lethbridge. But when you compare Calgary to Edmonton, which is, you know, the the classic example or the classic uh comparison Edmonton's light years ahead of Calgary on that front. Absolutely. And so what do you do? Do you do you uh concede defeat, I guess, in a sense if you're Calgary and say, listen, we'll just focus in on soccer and I know that they're moving out to uh to Spruce Meadows there and and that is there any We were, we're killing I'm killing Ian Wilson by the yeah, way. Sorry. Um is there is there anything that Calgary can do to bring in more, or do you just say, you know what, and and it was interesting seeing Baseball Canada come out recently with its list of places that are going to be hosting events in 2020, Mm -hmm. and what were the two Alberta towns that got it? Fort McMurray and Okotoks. That's right. So I get the feeling that Calgary's pretty happy with allowing Okotoks to take the baseball reins. Sure,
1: yeah. And I mean, first of all, give full credit to... um, uh, Mr. Arcandia with the dogs and and the the powers that be with mm-hmm. the dogs, for having the vision and the foresight to to build something outside of Calgary. If you build it, <laughs> they will come. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. And they have. Yes. They have come. Um, so you have to. You really do have to give them full marks for building something great there, mm-hmm. because everyone, whether you live in Okotoks or Calgary. You go to a game down there, you can appreciate it. And you should appreciate it. Because it's a great facility, it's a great venue, great league. Um, it's it's worthy of the the accolades that it gets. What would probably be ideal from a, a WCBL
0: um,
1: point of view is if there is a northern entity. Uh so maybe that's Airdrie. I was gonna say thing. we're living uh <laughs> we're
0: we're broadcasting <laughs> um, live from the home of the future Airdrie. Baseball squad from the yeah. Western Canadian yeah, Baseball that's League. That's a terrible name. Yeah, but, I know. Uh... <laughs> uh, but I think that there is some relevance to that argument, and I think that there is, judging by how discombobulated the the situation is in Calgary with sport in general, if I'm the powers that be in Airdrie, you have a ton of land, especially to the 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 east side. Uh, I know there's a lot of different plans in place, and Airdrie and doesn't necessarily have... Uh, a big sports team to rally behind. It's a city of 60,000 people. Um, At some point, they're going to want their own entity. And Okotoks has done a great job of that with not only the Dogs, but they have their their, uh, AJHL team there as well with the Oilers. Why wouldn't you, if you're air try to bring something big to town and have a big vision like that, and and then you leave Calgary completely in the dark on on baseball? And I think in in if you do that and you build some massive facility for baseball here,
1: right? And and I think what you do too is you. Uh, while Okotoks is is great for Calgarians to go out to, I'm sure that there are people on the northern reaches, at the northern reaches of the city, that mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to drive that far, and that's you know that's understandable for anyone who doesn't want to make a long commute for an event. That it's, that happens. It's part of. It's part of. Just the the ability to draw people to your event. So if you can do that in Airdrie, and it doesn't have to be Airdrie, Cochrane, uh, it can be North Calgary. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. You are you're getting people from that part of the city, and you're also creating rivalries, which is what you want to do, right?
0: No different than the classic Medicine Hat Lethbridge rivalry or anything else. And I think that's this goes to this argument goes to the. it Shows off, I guess, the the power and and the strong will of the other communities, Medicine Hat in particular, and and the what they've done with the Mavericks there, the with Lethbridge revamping Spit Stadium, and that thing looks phenomenal mm-hmm. now. And uh, I've heard nothing but good things about uh, Fort McMurray's shell is shell place. I think that's correct. Yeah, uh, you know, like these these towns have the foresight and they're willing to do it, so. Uh, I'm hoping that we can see a little bit more of that growth and I wouldn't be too shocked, especially, and this will be a different topic for a different day, I'm sure. But uh, with the the Western Major Baseball League changing over to the Western Canadian Baseball League, it does beg some interesting questions to me. And one might be expansion. uh, And I'm thinking maybe out to BC. But I'm also wondering, too, there's been some some, uh, people wondering about Red Deer. Mm-hmm. And Saskatoon in particular. And and uh, there's certainly some some towns that are definitely interested in, in that side of it.
1: Right. And if you're in Calgary, um, you should consider that Lacombe was in the discussion for a uh, WMBL team at one point. Yep. Brooks has a team. Mm-hmm. Brooks has a team. And this is not <laughs> yeah. a knock on Brooks. No. Good no. for Brooks. They went out and they got a team. Uh, and that's great for them. They had the home run leader there last year. Um, you're in Calgary and you have to drive to Okotoks. Again, that's not, that's not a knock on Okotoks. Nope. Great to go down there, great facility. What, what do we have in Calgary for baseball? For the, for the fan that isn't, isn't necessarily like, hey, my, my kids are doing this and they're into it. Just the casual fan that mm-hmm. wants to, on a summer night, go to the ballpark and watch competitive baseball. And I'm sure we'll maybe we'll get some people contact us about the <laughs> leagues that are available, and uh, you know For the foothills sure. Major uh, Baseball Association, yep. things like that. And that's great, but you know what I'm saying? There's yep. uh, I want to plunk down ten dollars, go to a ballpark, have a nice uh, cold malted beverage, some popcorn. Where am I doing that in Calgary?
0: Mm-hmm. And and that's going to beg the uh, a question for this council and a question for, Calgarians as we dive more and more into the post Olympic things. So uh, definitely a conversation that is happening and certainly one that was uh, front and center during uh, for our sake anyways during the Olympic debate. And now that that goes forward, we can continue to move forward. And we're going to take a quick break, and what we're going to do now is head on over to uh, a really interesting interview that you did with Jordan Precision. And it was a very frank discussion, I found, which was rather enlightening. Um, Just from your standpoint, how did you gauge that interview before we get into it?
1: Uh, Well, first of all, uh, many thanks to Jordan for making time for me. He's... uh, his situation is he's a Boston Red Sox draft pick uh, catcher. He's a product of the Okotoks uh, Dogs Academy. And um, he had been with the organization for five years um, and uh, got as high as Double A mm-hmm. um, and was released in August um, of this year. Uh, so that sucks. I mean, it sucks getting yeah. released. Uh, he said it was a mutual decision, which I'm, I'm sure in many ways it was. I'm sure he wants to... Uh, see if he can get to another level with a different organization. And I'm sure the organization had their opinions about where he was at and where his his ceiling was. Um, <clears throat> he, uh, So after he's released, you know, September rolls along and uh, playoff baseball comes along. And uh, sure enough, the Red Sox are in the pl- – we knew they were going to be in the playoffs. Uh, we didn't know they would win the World Series, but they did. And he's got some some uh, teammates that he had played with that are there, and they're not just there doing that. Raphael Devers,
0: I think we've heard of him. Pretty big, uh, <laughs> pretty big pieces to that puzzle. Yeah,
1: and uh, uh, Brazer, who's uh, like his former roommate. Uh, so he had some some rooting interest, and he wasn't bitter and jaded about uh, the Red Sox success he was, he's like, yeah, I'm a Red Sox fan. I've been, it's the only organization I've known. Uh, I'm part of Red Sox Nation, and he was cheering along with it. And I think, too, some of the coaches down in Okotoks, they had some uh, side bets going as to, uh, you know, who who they were cheering for. I th- Tyler Hollick, I think, is a former Giants yep. uh, draft pick, so I'm not sure who he, he was aligned with, but... Uh, <laughs> So he was very candid about uh, just his rooting interest and where he was at with his career and hoping to continue playing.
0: It's a conversation, again, it's a pretty frank discussion, but a great one indeed. Uh, This is Ian Wilson chatting with Jordan Precision. This is Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I guess we'll start with um, just tell me a
1: little bit about uh, about the release and, and was that something you saw coming? Was that uh, just tell me about that process and what what you. It um
2: I I kind of saw it coming. Yeah. It was a uh, it was it was a tough year. Uh, battled back from some injuries at the start of the season, um, and then I just I wasn't playing much, um, and you know it, it was it was a mutual agreement between the Red Sox and myself. Uh, it just wasn't wasn't the right fit. Um, there was no future for me left with the Red Sox, and um, it made more sense for for myself to be able to come home to to see my family, see my friends, um, and then hopefully try and get a new start with a different organization.
1: So tell me about that. What happens now for you? Are you just kind of in ref- you know kind of rest and reflect mode? Or are you actively kind of shopping around? How does that work?
2: Uh, so I, I had to wait for the World Series to end mm-hmm. uh, to be able to get picked up as a free agent. Um, so I'm just in, in talks with my agent. Just uh, he said the biggest thing is to, to let teams know that I'm I'm still looking to continue my career. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm just waiting to hear back from him. I'm gonna continue to talk to him and figure out if you know we can we can get some teams to pick up my contract and go from there. Um, how's that? Is that kind of nerve-wracking being in that that spot?
1: Like that's kind of the first time you've been in this position, correct? Yeah, this
2: is the first time I've been. Uh, ever since the Red Sox drafted me back in 2014, I've been under, under contract with them. This is my okay. fifth season with them, uh, so this is all brand new. It's yeah. uh, it's a lot of unknown, and in baseball, there's a lot of unknown. A lot of unknown as it is. Yeah. Um, but there's there's even more right now. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of it's the waiting game and just try to figure out of what's best for, for myself and my life. You're pretty committed to, to keeping playing though, correct? I am. That, that I a, am. Yeah. I mean it has to be the right situation. Mm-hmm. Um but if, if a situation comes along where I'm able to continue to play professional baseball, then I'm gonna take it. Yeah. So it's uh it's gonna be very interesting this off season to yeah. be going through an entire off season with without a contract at the moment. Yeah. Um so you're released by the Red Sox in,
1: in, I think it was in August, right? Yeah,
2: August 2nd is what I was released. World
1: Series comes around. Are you cheering for the Red Sox? Are you like, <laughs> what's that like sitting there? Were you watching any of the, the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
2: definitely watched the entire playoffs. There's there's yeah. some rivalry going on here in the office with the other guys. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I definitely was still cheering for the Red Sox. I mean, yep. a couple of the guys up there were my teammates throughout the yep. years. I mean, I played with Devers for four years. I played with I played in room this year with Brazier. Uh, So I I know a lot of those guys pretty well, so it's really cool for them to be able to experience that and to be able to watch them achieve the ultimate goal in baseball was, was really cool. Tell me a little bit about uh, Devers. I mean, he's one of the higher-profile
1: names. Uh, you know, certainly, anyone in Red Sox land knows who he is. He's play, he played in an active part in the World Series and the postseason and the regular season. What kind of guy was he, and, and what was your experience like with he, him? Yeah,
2: uh, he's the ultimate clubhouse guy, and the fact that he's going to keep everybody happy. Yeah. He, uh, our nickname for him was El Baby, because he <laughs> he looks like an absolute kid. Baby yeah. Face, he yeah. looks at his face. He's got a baby face, and he's he's always. He's always going around with a smile on his face. He's yep. always laughing, and I remember hearing about him my very first season. They're we talking about this 16-year-old kid from the Dominican who absolutely rakes. He hits home runs, unbelievable defense. And the first time I saw him, I was like, "Wow, this this kid is legit." Yep. So the one thing I'll never forget was spring training in 2017. We were both in big league camp together, and in big league camp, you you have to be smart in the clubhouse, and like you don't want to step on anybody's toes. And, so when I talked up to De- talked to Devers and I said, "Hey man, like, when are you gonna make it to the big leagues?" He goes, "Poppy, Poppy, this year I need." <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, yeah. I played. I started the year in Double A with him that year, and he yeah. made it up to the big leagues and yeah. has been a contributor ever since. Um, but that, that's that player in person that, that Rafi is, and yeah. he's a lot of fun to be around. Yeah. Any other guys? I think uh, you played for a bit with uh, Benintendi as yep. well. Is that, did
1: you get to know him at all? I got to know Benny a little yeah. bit.
2: I um, i played with him at the start of the season in 2016, the same year he made it to the big leagues. Um, but I didn't get to share the field with him as much as I would have liked because I yeah. got hurt. Yeah. Um, so he's another really good guy, good clubhouse guy. He, he keeps himself a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but no, he's he's another really good player. I remember opening night. I think he went four for six with a couple of triples, and another guy that just opens up your eyes. There's yeah. something different about him, and he's he's a really good guy. But I getting to know him well. I wish I would have been able to get him a little bit get to know him a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, but since I wasn't there and I was hurt for most of it, it kind of kind of stopped that train. Fair enough. He had one
1: of the uh, one of those highlight catch that catch against
2: Houston <laughs> was
1: ridiculous. Yeah, so.
2: absolutely. That was awesome to finish <laughs> off that game. Any
1: other players you got to know either on the uh, was there any of the big league catchers that you you probably got to know a lot of them pretty well and what about the pitching staff? Any guys who pitched in the postseason that uh, that you got to know?
2: Yeah, I get I got to know the, the catcher staff pretty well with uh, with Christian Vasquez, Sandy Leon, and, and Blake Swihart. Yeah. Um, they all have their different styles of catching um, but one thing that they really preach in that organization is that you know, everybody's battling each other for that top spot, but at the same time we're one unit. Yeah. So that's what I bring here with these guys, um, is that they're willing to help each other out. So if Sandy sees something in my stance or with my glove, he was always willing to help me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're all really good guys in that aspect, uh, and they're competitors. Yeah. They want to be the best of themselves, they want you to be just as good so that you can, you can push them. Even if I am some minor league guy, they don't care because they knew they were in my footsteps at one place, at one point. Um, for pitching, uh, I mean, um, I room this year with Ryan Brazier. He's mm-hmm. a really cool story. He signed with us, I think, on March 3rd okay. with a minor league deal and no opt-out clause, which is really tough. And sure enough, he was in AAA and he was throwing unbelievable. And then found himself on the World Series roster, making an impact in high leverage innings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really, really good guy. It's fun to fun to see that. Mm-hmm. Is you as a fan, people only see the baseball aspect of it. They see, oh, he's really good at this, really good at that. Whereas when you get to know them on a personal level, it's, yeah, he's really good at baseball, but he's actually a really nice guy off the field. He's a family man, this or that. Mm -hmm. So having those ties to, to each of those players is really cool. Yeah, uh, is it intimidating when you look at uh, you look at
1: the catching uh, depth that the Red Sox have, and it's the Red Sox, right? They're they're not gonna leave themselves short at any position, really. Is it intimidating seeing like what's ahead of you, or is it more like you said you kind of work as a as a team and you draw inspiration from those guys?
2: It's um, or a little intimi- bit of both, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's intimidating if you allow it to be. Yeah. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in that. Yeah. It's very easy to get caught up in the depth charts and the, oh man, I have to do this and that to get above somebody else because I'm, say, four or five spots below. Yeah. Um, but it's also, that's one thing that I really liked about it is the fact that they preach, hey, we're one unit. Mm-hmm. If you want to get better, than the guy next to you has to get better for him to be able to push you. So it's it's one of those things where it's, you can't look too far ahead, you have to focus on where you're at, where, where your feet are at the moment, and, and be the best at where you are.
1: Yeah. Um, tell me a bit about being at, in part of that Red Sox nation. I mean, it's the, an iconic team. It's, you know, their, their fans are, are rabid and, and just, you know, they're seemingly everywhere. Uh, does that trickle down to the minor league level? Did you see that in Portland, in Salem, that the, there was that kind of following and, and uh, passion for, for you guys as well?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're, uh, the Red Sox nation is, is unbelievable. They're mm-hmm. all over we, um, I'll never forget my host family that I live with in Portland, Maine. Uh, the biggest uh, New England fans in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first day I actually got to their place, uh, I went with my ho- met with my host dad Josh and he introduced me to the house and everything and then all of a sudden their eldest daughter came home and she's wearing all Red Sox <laughs> gear. It's opening day and she ran home from school just to catch first pitch and awesome. as I was coming down from my room she was on the couch, had the game on um, and that just right there is an example of, of what Red Sox Nation is yeah. all about. So, yeah, you definitely, the presence is felt in the minor leagues. Yeah. Any, any on the
1: negative side of things uh, in terms of <laughs> yeah. hecklers or, or, or people just maybe overzealous uh, from that community or not really?
2: Um, not really in the minor leagues. Yeah. I mean, everybody sees it in the big leagues. Yeah. I mean, everybody saw it um, up there. If, if you don't play well, they're going to be on you for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the minor leagues, not as much. I mean, you get it when you're on the road and, and other teams' fans are heckling you, but that's part of part of the game, and that's why you love playing it. Mm-hmm. Same here uh, with the Oakes Dogs. Is when you go to Left Bridge, they're gonna heckle you. Mm-hmm. Um, but nothing, nothing compared to what they get in the big leagues. Absolutely not.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about uh, you do these catching clinics uh, a lot. I think it's an annual thing, if not more. But uh, it, why is it important for you to come back here, and what what did you take from Okotoks that helped you helped get you this far as well?
2: Yeah, this is this is Aaron and I putting on. Uh, it's technically our third camp, but yeah. our second in a, in a row now. Right. And uh, we're hoping to put on some more this year and throughout the uh, throughout the years coming up. Um, it, it means a lot to me to come back here. Uh, yeah. These are where my roots are. Uh, I'll never forget the day that I, I came and tried out for the Okotoks Dogs as a 13-year-old kid. And sure enough, uh, Vince or Candy asked me if I had a catcher's mitt, and I never <laughs> left the position. Mm-hmm. So it means a lot to me in the sense that I, uh, I know that a lot of people gave up their time um, to make me the best that I could be. And that's what I want to do for these kids. And I love seeing how far they can go. We, we have a really good track record of catchers coming out of this academy and I want to continue that. Yeah. Um, so it, it just means a lot because I know the people before me came back and Jimmy Henderson and Emerson Frost, that they came back and gave their time for us, mm-hmm. and so now if you look at our coaching staff with Jeff Duda, with Tyler Hall, Breton Guthrow, Aaron Ethier, myself, uh, Curtis Taylor, we have former Jay Dogs that are coming back, and, and it all comes full circle, mm-hmm. and that just shows the pride that this academy has, and so that's that's the cool part about it is coming back and giving back to all these kids. Good stuff.
1: Uh, last question for you. I know you got stuff stuff to do right away here, but uh, Looking forward again, uh, so when you get to free agency and when you kind of go through the process, how, how far are you willing to go, I guess? Are you open to, like, playing overseas and playing elsewhere, or are you just kind of not even thinking that far ahead at this point?
2: Right now, I'm just going to try to take it day by day. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, I, I still have my schooling to finish up. I still have some other aspects of my life that have been put on hold. Yeah. Uh, and I knew that going into wanting to pursue a career in baseball. Yeah. So we'll see. Spring training comes around the corner in late February, early March, and time will only tell.
0: You are listening to Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, back with Ian Wilson. I am Joey Farland in the basement, putting a final wrap on things, but it has been a crazy few weeks since you last were down here. A lot of stories up on albertadugoutstories.com. And what I wanted to just pick your brain about for a second... A fascinating one you posted about a week ago about Shohei Otani and how he has a interesting Alberta connection. How did you find this number one and two? Uh, It was a pretty. It's a uh, speaking of frank discussions. I didn't realize how much of a swear friend uh, one of your interviewees happened to be. It was uh, it was a pretty fun one.
1: Yeah. uh, So yeah, I was looking at some old clips of Otani on YouTube. Uh, in the 2012, I believe, um, uh, Junior World Championships, which took place in Seoul, Korea. And um, Canada, of course, played against the Japanese. And uh, Canada had a really good tournament that mm-hmm. year. They finished, they won the silver medal. They lost in the gold medal game to the Americans. And they uh, they beat Japan. They, uh, and Shohei Otani was pitching in that uh, game. He was the starting pitcher went three and two thirds. And, uh, he also was, was batting. He was batting cleanup. So mm. you kind of, you got these glimpses back then of, of what talent he, he had as a, he was 18 years old at the time. And, um, yeah, he, he was throwing 95 miles per hour, <laughs>
0: Can't be real easy. <laughs> now, the one quote I think it was from Chris Rietzma was that uh, he was hitting the strike zone not all the time by any stretch. Control was certainly an issue for him.
1: No, if you head to YouTube, you can see the raw talent, uh, but he's not hitting the strike zone consistently. I think he mm-hmm. still had three or four Ks that game and three or four walks. So it was about, you know, even even things out. But obviously these kids get up there, and they haven't seen uh, someone throwing quite that hard. And Chris Rietzma had mentioned that uh, he wasn't the best pitcher on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the name escapes me, the, the, the ace of the team at the time. But um, So Chris Rietzma was one of the Alberta connections. He was a pitching coach for Team Canada for the junior national team. And uh, one of the pitchers uh, uh, from Spruce Grove, Logan Seafried. Who is a uh, former Seattle Mariners draft pick? His brother was actually drafted by the Blue Jays as well. Right. Um, he's a character. He was, uh, <laughs> yeah. He uh, he had some some colorful language at points of our interview, but just a, a great guy to kind of go down memory lane with. And one of those guys that he's he's out of the game now. He's yeah. an electrician. He's a hunting guide, uh, and he he's not in baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really watch. Doesn't really pay attention. So. When I had approached him, I was like, hey, you know, it was, it was a few months back saying this, this Otani kid, you, you played against him. You, you What do you remember of him? And it was kind of fun to go down memory lane cool. for him uh, talking about that. And uh, he picked up the win. He got the win against Shoei Otani.
0: <laughs> so one claim to fame in his baseball career. I don't know. I wonder if he framed any baseballs from that tournament or anything.
1: He said he had uh, oh what was it one piece of memorabilia that was hanging from a from a buck or a white tail or I, I'm not a hunter so I don't know the but and I I'm pretty sure he was he was joking about uh, about
0: that but, or maybe not or maybe either not. way it's it's a fantastic story
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so they had their their brushes uh, with fame and and I think it's it's I would be pretty stoked if I said yeah I yeah, I remember uh, playing against Shohei Otani I beat him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> he was okay. Yeah. I was better that day. <laughs> yeah.
1: just, just saying. And one of the interesting things was with the rules back then, uh, or, well, I'm sure they still use these rules uh, in some leagues somewhere, and maybe they still use them in uh, international play. They start, that game went to extra innings, right. which is yeah. when Logan uh, pitched, and they start runners on first and second with nobody out. Right. So Chris Rietzwa had yelled this to, <laughs> to Logan and he, I couldn't write in the in the story because we're generally we're trying family. to be a PG thirteen kind <laughs> yeah. of show. But he, uh, yeah, he had a little swear to himself about about that scenario, and then he was just like, "Well, that's the situation. I'm just I just got to I'm deal I'm with it." Out of a jam that yeah. I didn't
0: get myself in, but all right, yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, you can head to the website to learn a little bit more about uh, about that story. But it was a fun one to
0: write for, for sure. sure. Albertadugoutstories.com, dugout stories.com the place to go for that Alberta dugout stories.com the place to also go to find out some uh, fantastic news that we've been able to publish over the last couple of weeks a couple of brand new sponsorships that we want to uh, give a shout out to so we've increased our roster by I don't know what the math is now. We went from three to five. So first off, I want to thank uh, the Okotoks Dogs, Dogs Academy, as well as Absolute Human Performance for being the first three to join us as sponsors uh, on stories.com But over the last couple of weeks here, we've been uh, proud to announce that... Uh, The Western Canadian Baseball League uh, has joined forces with us as well and has uh, given us a little bit of money to help us pay for some of the bills that we incur, including uh, some of the podcast equipment that we're able to use here and that kind of thing. And another one, and this wasn't a cash one, but something that we're going to kind of tease you with for next week's episode of the podcast is we have Easton on board. Uh, which is a, a pretty cool one that I don't know how you managed to find that one, but I'm I'm kind of impressed. Was that a, a random email that you got, or did you actually go out scouting Easton, saying, "Hey, come on, come uh, on over here"?
1: I'm sure that at some point, I, I mean, I hit up a lot of people a long time ago when we. Weren't as well known, or or however you wanted to. <laughs> yeah, when, when we weren't, weren't as famous when we weren't swinging as big of a bat. <laughs> uh, and uh, no, they uh, they actually approached us. They they came to us, which is nice. Uh, a lot of our sponsors have uh, more recently approached us, and we're not we're not doing a hard sell to them. So mm-hmm. I think that's a testament to what we're doing and the fact that they see value in in the work that we're doing, and we we hope that's the case. Yeah, course. and a,
0: and a definitely a testament to them. Uh, having the faith and, and understanding into what we're doing as well. And and uh, that's a it's a bit of a leap because I mean, we just kind of it's it's not like this is our full time jobs by any stretch of the imagination. It's just, some, just something that we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with and see where it went. And here we are podcasting from my basement and, and uh, writing a few stories here and there. So. Uh, that is going to put an end to the show. Like I said, uh, a little bit of a teaser for you. There's uh, some fun stuff coming up on next week's edition of the podcast. Uh, you're going to want to keep your eyes tuned to Alberta dugout Cause I think later on this week is when we will actually officially launch what we're going to tease. Yeah. We'll, we'll stick we'll stick with that uh thank you all so much again for listening to albert the dugout stories the podcast if you haven't already you can subscribe on both itunes and google play if you don't mind leave us a rating or a review as well those kinds of things end up helping us get more exposure on the national scene and makes them go into trending and all that kind of lovely stuff so if you do happen to listen as far as this episode is gone by all means uh, drop us a line there as well uh you can follow us as well twitter instagram facebook you name it we got it so with that another episode of albert the dugout source podcast i'm joe mcfarland he's ian wilson thanks for listening